1: Welcome to another
0: episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where myself, Shane Told, speaks to other lead singers about what it's like to front a professional rock and roll band. And right now, I am very tired. I just got off a plane. It was 14 and a half hours from Vancouver to Brisbane, Australia. And before that, we had to fly from Toronto to Vancouver. So I've been in transit for almost 24 hours. So you can imagine um, what that feels like. Well, maybe you can't. It's it's hard if you haven't done it. It's kind of hard to really, really imagine. But I guess right now at home, it's like 6.30 p.m. in Toronto. And here it's like 8.30 p.m. AM but the next day so I flew and I completely missed a day so it's Monday now but when you're listening to this I don't even think it will be I don't know I think it'll be the same time hey I'm tired I'm confused but it's all good because this week we have a great episode with Mr. Keith Buckley of Every Time I Die such an interesting person I mean not only has he been the front man of Every Time I Die for I mean since 1998 I want to say He was also a part of a super group called The Damn Things, and recently he's tried his hand at writing. He has a novel out. It's called Scale. I've read it. It's terrific. You guys should definitely check it out. Also, he's had some pretty scary stuff going on in his personal life over the last, you know, less than a year. So we get into that stuff and a whole lot more. And this conversation is very deep. Um, You know, Keith's known for being on stage. He's being like a funny guy. This interview is pretty serious, and... Very, very eye-opening, and I learned a lot just from talking to Keith, and this is definitely one of my favorite podcast episodes to date. Before we get into it, as always, I'd just like to say thank you for all the support, all the love, all the emails, all the and all the Snapchats that you guys are sending me. Um, it's really cool. Like I, I know I asked, like, hey, go on Snapchat, send a video or, or a picture of like you listening to my podcast. And that's been really cool. I've tried to get back to everybody. Sorry if I somehow missed you. I know I have quite the queue now, especially after being on an airplane for the last uh, whatever it is, 22 hours. Uh, but please, keep those coming. Snapchat is real Shane Told. I know it's a bit of a douchey name, but Shane Told was taken. What are you going to do? And if you want to just get in touch with regular old email, it's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. Also, make sure you check out Instagram. I always post pictures, relevant pictures of, uh, of stuff going on that we talk about in the show. That's at syndrome. And if you just want to fire me off something real quick on Twitter, it's at leadsingersyn, S-Y-N. Also, if you want to help out the show, I know I say it every week, but it's really, really easy. If you buy anything online at all, if you use Amazon, please just use our affiliate link. It's com slash Amazon. Takes you right to the Amazon homepage. You log in as normal. Anything you buy, we get 4%. So it really, really adds up. So if you're going to use Amazon, just throw us a bone because it costs you nothing. The link again, com slash Amazon. And lastly, to all the Australian listeners listening to this, um, please come out and see us on tour. We're here. We're here in Australia. You know, we don't get a chance to come out that often. It's a great lineup. We're with Pierce the Veil, They're headlining, then us, then our very, very good friends in Beartooth. It is a great show, so please come out. And if you do come out, I'll be hanging out at the merch table. We play right before Pierce the Veil, so once we're done, I'm going to hop out to the merch table. So please, if you listen to the show, come out, say hi. I love to meet... Whether they're fans of Silverstein, whether they're fans of Lead Singer Syndrome, it's all good. I love meeting people, so please come say hi. Well, that's all for the intro. Thank you so much for listening to this. Here is a great conversation with Keith Buckley of Every Time I Die. Pull it right up to your
2: this face phallic. this is one of Isn't the one? phallic mics I've ever seen that's
0: one yeah, yeah. that's a that's a hell of a it's mic though and
2: everything. okay
0: sweet right, Dr.
2: Phil that's it's good. Kind, I'm a creature of habit on this tour and Dr. Phil is one of my like that's your go-to it's, yeah I'll make I'll, I'll make sure that I'm <laughs> around Dr. Phil if possible I was just at home. We just, is this maybe we should, are we rolling? I'll tell. We're always rolling. Okay. but
0: yeah, dude. I don't know if
2: this is a story I want you to to broadcast or not. But I was just, I flew home for. We had two days off, so I flew home to see my wife and daughter, and uh, we had just moved into a new house while I was away. So I was kind of like unpacking boxes and putting shit together. And at one point, I, f- I found myself, I was, Dr. Phil was on, so I put it on, and then we had just bought curtains, and I'm like, oh, uh, well, these curtains, you know, they need to be ironed, obviously, so I, I I was ironing curtains while watching Dr. Phil, and I just had, like, this <laughs> eureka moment, I was like, this is, well, this is my life right now. Like, I'm yes. enjoying myself. Just yesterday, I was at Warp Tour in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and yep. now I'm ironing curtains watching Dr. Phil, and it's a strange, strange thing that's going on.
0: But that's, like, the double life we live. Yeah. Which is really funny because people don't understand that. No, I think and people, it's 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 humorous to you, even, yeah. And you're doing it, yeah. Think about what a kid that sees you on stage thinks. Yeah, you know?
2: I, that's the thing. I, 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 you know, it's one of those guilty pleasures, but it's also kind of humanizing. I mean, it really is. It's not like this, this. Um, this ideology of like all oh, the the people that are on the road are always living a crazy life and they're doing insane things that I wish I could be doing. The chance there, there's a really good chance that people that are on the road just really wish they could find some sort of normality. But um, that being said, I think that it's really really dangerous to keep comparing the the life of a band person to a nor, a quote unquote normal life. And when you kind of run these these parallels and go, well, I'm 36 years old, I probably should be. Having a job with a, a nice little nest egg for the family, thats there's no should be anything. You know what I mean? I, I feel like if you're going to be in a band, just do it do it 100% all the time. And then when you're home, do that 100% all the time. And right. I, I think that people drive themselves crazy trying to find a balance between what they're doing and what they think they should be doing. And you really take things for granted when you do that.
0: Yeah. The problem, though, is with that is, of course, that you're not home. So right. there's things that fall by the wayside, yeah. you know, like yeah. over my career, I guess you can call it, like... Relationships have yeah, come and gone, of course. With family too, you miss every right one's birthday, all your friends' birthdays. Yeah. Friends are like, "Oh yeah, we're going to like up to the cottage this weekend." Uh-huh. Can't go. We got a one-off in yeah. Quebec or something, right. You know, so so that's the the struggle I think, uh-huh. which is what makes you know band dudes or whatever like long for that, yeah, and fight with themselves and not be able to do things, yeah, one hundred percent one way or the other, yeah. You know? But we chose. I mean.
2: I guess there's there's a part of us that that subconsciously chose this as much as there is th- that this was kind of imposed on us and we didn't really have a we didn't really have a choice and that this was like our calling to do something like this. So yeah, it's disappointing that you know you're not going to get home to to see your kid's first word you know being uh, said. That yeah. that absolutely sucks. It absolutely sucks. But. You know, you don't go into it when you're 18 years old like we did thinking that far in the future. We're just, we're still here, you know? And I really have to... If I think about the things that I'm missing, it's just going to drive me crazy, you know? And it's going to make me not take advantage of the opportunities I have out here on the road, you know? And it's it's not to say I miss it. I don't, or I miss it any less, you know? I just i really got to focus on what what i'm doing at the moment rather than thinking about what i should be doing
0: sure well it's funny i so i uh, bought your book oh thanks and uh i'm about i don't know i'm about a third of the way through it okay and uh, so i was reading it on the plane on the way here and um it's funny i bring this up i wouldn't want to bring this up so early in the interview but there's something that you wrote that like right away stuck with me that's kind of like what we're talking about i'm just looking through my fucking notes here and um I'll start to feel until you find it. <laughs> <laughs> so the one idea you talked about in your book, which is sort of like what we're talking about, is the idea that a dead end isn't as hopeless as something that goes on forever. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. You know, it's near the beginning of the book. Yeah. And that like really s- struck a chord with me for some reason because we can relate. We're almost the same age. I'm I'm 35. I think you're 36. Yeah. We've been in bands for about the same amount of time. And does it ever come to a point where you're just like? Am I going to do this forever?
2: When um, is this
0: going to stop?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I, um you know before we were doing this we we were talking about how you know we've been doing warp tour and you think it's always going to be your last one and it's not, you know, then you find yourself doing it again the next year and yeah, that's a that's a that's a concern of mine but it's not there's no race to finish, really. I mean, it's, this, is, this is an every-time-I-die journey through life, you know? There's never been one before, and there will never be another one yeah, after it. Yeah. So, you know, these, these rules that we impose on, like, how long a band career should last, that doesn't apply to anybody. Everyone's on their own trip, and I feel like if I'm not through with it yet, there's a reason I'm not through with it yeah. yet. I haven't touched the right person. That, not physically, that's... <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, our music hasn't yes. done what it's supposed to do yet, and when it does we will never know and that's okay but then things will conclude
0: right but there's always that whole thing of like when a band when a band puts up like Lifetime uh-huh. they put out their second record it's amazing yeah they don't even tour it's, I, they're just and it's just like they went out on top like yeah you know, I agree um, so. yeah. Like, like Peyton Manning you know yeah. like yeah. So, so that is that something that is that just romanticized over romanticized yeah. do you think yes because, absolutely because I think that's better than just the shows get smaller and uh-huh. smaller. Less people give a fuck. Yep. Oh, can't afford a bus anymore. We're back in a van. Right. That starts becoming demoralizing. It's
2: also delusional too to to continue on under those circumstances when you know in your heart that something is over. It's like being in a bad marriage, you know? It's right. you you know that you're not happy. You know that it's not working and you're just you're continuing on because of these implications that if you don't do it you're weak if you don't Mm -hmm. do it you're dishonest if you don't do it you're this you're that i mean so many of the things that we do are based on the possible perceptions of people that we don't know you know what i mean everything we do is is kind of guided by the idea of what are these strangers going to think about me if i do this if i quit this band what are all these people (laughs) i've never met possibly going to think and when you start putting your your life in those contexts in the hands of people you've never met and the possible ideas that might generate in their brains and realize that if that's the guiding force that you you're you're out of touch with yourself you know you really need to be honest with yourself and i there's this guy in buffalo i'm not going to say his name uh he's in a he's a total anomaly in the way that I, I i feel that life should work with being a creative person or a musician or artist and things and when things aren't working you have to give up. You really have to just know that quitting isn't necessarily a bad thing, that there are other yeah. lessons to be learned somewhere else and you go on in a different avenue. And this kid does he he can't read the signs. He won't read the signs. He's a musician and he's he's plugging away and he's working harder than any musician I've ever met and it has not paid off. Whatsoever And it's like You feel bad for him Because you go Oh my god He's working so hard And a lot of people Don't have that ethic And he does Why isn't the universe Or whoever rewarding him With something right. And he's just Digging a hole And he's just The harder he works It's just digging a hole So I don't really know why that's happening, but if I had to guess, I would say it's because he's not being honest with himself, and he, there's a truth that he knows that it's too ugly to face, that it's, it's just not his calling, and I think that when you realize that your time is up doing whatever you're, you've been doing, just be honest and go ahead. People have this horrible idea that quitting means you're a terrible person, and it doesn't. It means you're, you're on to a next lesson. You've graduated, you know? Yeah. So I think that's how people should look at it.
0: Yeah, that's the kind of deep. But I mean that being said, here we are on the warp tour. Yeah. Almost at the end. Yeah. And this is every time I dies how how many? 8. Eighth. Number 8. Yeah, and it's very Damn. and it's
2: very cyclical. And I mean to if I could tie it into the to to scale somehow. It's you know these cycles that we're going through that we need to We'll only get out of them if we're honest with ourselves And if we take a lesson away that can kind of graduate us to that next level And I was just talking about this with Greg uh, from Dillinger this morning The the news came out that they're doing one more Oh, I didn't hear that Yeah, they're doing one more touring cycle and then they're breaking up and i was like greg I, i'm like this it's, it's it's sad to read but i'm like congratulations because y- it's it's you're on to a, a next level you know and he's like this is this is nice everyone's been acting like it's the worst news they've ever heard he's like but that's how i like to think about it too it's like i've i'm on to a next yeah. thing and that's a really really freeing experience to be like okay i'm done with this now i'm going to do something
0: else that's an end of an era though man like oh when my God, Dillinger it is came sad, out there was like there's nothing ever like that nope. before nope. and, and there probably never will be anything never like will that be again, again. Never, and
2: that's, that's what's fun about being in a band and following a band is that you see their their, their trajectory and you, you follow them throughout and you use a band like Lifetime as an example of a band that maybe went out too soon um, maybe went out knowing exactly the right time to throw in the towel was mm-hmm. um, you know. and then you look at a band like Oscar Dillinger that's plugging away for 20 years and there's no gold bar standard with which to compare our our lives to somebody else's life and when you start doing that it's just gonna you're gonna get jealous you're gonna get angry you're gonna get resentful you know i mean having a brand new daughter who's f- six months yeah. you know or eight months depending because she was two months premature there's so there's all these comparisons and the doctors weren't it's like okay she's eight seven or eight months years, she's seven or eight months old based on when she was born, but mentally she's two months later than that because she was so premature. So you can't do this comparison of she's not where other seven- or eight-month-old babies are. Wow, you know? yeah. And it's a really, you know, that, that rule... An analogy to make there. That, sure. Yeah, that rule should yeah. follow you your
0: whole life. <laughs> right, Like,
2: it's your thing. Your, it's your life. It's not... The, there's no guidebook, you know, unless you're But super there's Christian. always
0: that late bloomer thing that yeah. everyone talks about, everyone knows it's real. Uh-huh. I was the opposite. I was, like, always... I always felt smarter than everyone else. I could get good grades yeah. without studying. Yeah. Then it caught up with me. By the end of the high high school, I was like the dumb guy. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's not always good to be ahead. No, it never. It's not. Know? Yeah, and
2: that's people think they are. People think that if they if they're they're winning at something, as if right. there's one gold ring that everyone in life is trying to grab, and it's not that. We're all on our own we're all in our own lane and there's a gold ring at the end of each lane so yes. just get
0: your own that's right there's only one every time I die there yeah. will only ever be one every time yes. I die and there will only be one of you yes. and one of me yes enjoy it do everything you so, can to learn more that's, that's great philosophy thanks wow.
2: but I think that being on Warp tour for the 8th time I'm wondering have I finally learned what I need to learn and I, b- like I said before we started recording, I, I, I stopped. Drink- I'm not drinking this tour. This is the first Warp tour I've ever done without a single drop of alcohol. And I maybe that's what I was waiting for. Maybe that's what I needed. I don't know to prove to myself that I could. I don't need to drink to to play
0: shows. Who knows? Now, like doing this sobriety, I took a sober January this year too. Yeah. Because um, I mean, I drink every single day. pretty yeah. Much. And I have for as long as I can really remember mm-hmm. for a, a couple of years at least you know occasionally I'll maybe go a day I'll be like oh I didn't have a drink today. Yeah. <laughs> crazy you know so I don't know if that makes me an alcoholic or what that makes me it's, no it's part of our lifestyle almost it which, it, yeah. which is hard to explain to people right it doesn't make you um, anything like I went to the doctor this is funny I got a new doctor and uh they're filling out the, the form and so mm-hmm. like, oh, do you smoke oh no oh that's good do you like do you do drugs I'm like oh not really oh that's good um what are drinking? How many drinks do you have in a week? A like, week, Th- like thirty? <laughs> oh yeah, God. I'm like fifty, <laughs> yeah. and his his face just drops. He's yeah. like, no one's ever said that before. I'm like, well, yeah. Because, I mean, you're my doctor. I'm mean, going to be honest with of course. you, but like, yeah, because I don't know, and maybe fifty, right? Absolutely,
2: because there 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 are contexts for what a normal person should be drinking. This is not; it doesn't apply to us. It doesn't <laughs> apply to a touring band. You know, yeah. you can't. You can't. No. You're not an alcoholic if you drink fifty beers when you're on tour that's actually a mild drinking week to be honest you know right especially
0: like when you're back behind the trailer pounding bud yeah. lights like and it's on free. Tour.
2: i mean the problem is not how many drinks did you have but what did you do when you had all those drinks if you're like well i beat the shit out of some people i don't know and right. i lost two hundred dollars that i needed to feed my family then they the big like, okay you got a fucking problem right but if you're like i don't know i had some laughs and then i went to sleep really well but with you
0: what's your decision to stop is it uh,
2: were there issues uh well it started off when when zuzana was born and i realized that i couldn't be hung over and get up at three o'clock in the morning to feed her that she, mm-hmm. i was literally the only thing she needed to survive you know me and yep. her, her mother so i had to stay pretty clear-headed for that time being and um once I did that, then, then that was two months was up um, where I went on tour. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, I feel pretty good, I guess. And I'm not as nervous being around people as I thought I would be. So I was kind of like, let's see what other lies alcohol was telling me. And right. the, the main one was that I couldn't play uh, sober. And man, I'm, I'm loving playing sober, to be honest. It's uh, I'm, I haven't lost my voice yet, which was a constant problem for me. So oh, yeah, I think that... Um, at this at this point in in my life at this age, it's really important that people that come to an every time I die show get a good show because I, I feel like there's a lot more involved now. You have like people that like every time I die probably have to get babysitters. They probably maybe had to yeah. take a day off from work the next day. You know what I mean? They're they're older and I understand That's that. That's a good point. So I don't want them coming out. And making all these accommodations to have a night out with their wife or their girlfriend or their friends, and then I can't play because I'm blown out because I fucking you know was doing shots all night and screaming at a bar. Um, so I think people that come out now are owed more, and it's more important to me that, that there's a better every time I die show than there is another night of drunken revelry, I guess. But that's my trip, and that's not not to say that it's uh, sobriety's better. Sobriety doesn't work for everybody. It definitely didn't work for me until this this point. I needed that experience of having a daughter t- and having someone actually rely on me to to kind of clear me up, you know.
0: So was it hard at first and then it
2: got easier? Yeah, it was almost impossible at first. It yeah. was really like shaking like oh, I smell it, you really, know. Yeah. Really, yeah. yeah, it was really it was really bad. Is but... the rest of
0: your band drinking around you or are they try like uh, no, no, they they're just, they're it doesn't drink matter. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. No, yeah.
2: I I think now I'm I'm cool with it. I don't want to be the kind of person that tells any like tells anybody what to do or what they should do, you know. And that's why this you know taking this in a grander scope just the idea that i'm living in a country now where so many people are trying to tell other people what to do who they can marry <laughs> yeah. who that what drugs they can or can't take that's so absurd just live your life do what you got to do you know
0: yeah so like with with your voice you, you brought it up like you know you've had some issues um like what what was going on you just think it was just basically the drinking and yeah. staying up late and partying yeah. that was affecting it
2: yeah i think it was just that i i don't know how exactly i don't know the science behind it but um, I was going to Minute Clinics like once every three weeks, two or three weeks, and, you know, getting these steroids, which would oh really make me think that I was better um, and I would feel better and I would feel good that I felt better, so I'd blow it out even more so that it was just this constant game of catching up, you know?
0: I don't even know what that is. What is these, like, it's, what steroids do you uh, take? It's
2: called prednisone. It's this pill that just, it really just kind of boosts your... I don't even know, well, confidence for one, because it, it makes your your throat not hurt, and then so you think your voice is better, but it's really not, it's just this, it's just a placebo pretty much that, um, you know, you feel better, you can talk clearer, um, but, but yeah, then I'd get on stage and I would only think that I was better, but it was still like kind of just playing a trick, and then I'd blow it out even more, so I don't know, yeah. I, I once I stopped drinking and, you know, I stopped getting involved with the, the late night partying stuff, it was my voice is, is bad. Yeah, it's
0: it's, it's crazy. It's cuz cuz most people are the opposite. I I think I party more now yeah than I ever have yeah. and I drink more and I stay up later and everything. Yeah. But I can I don't know if it's just something that I've I figured out how to sing or yeah. or stamina or whatever, so, but when I was younger, even we were playing like we were playing headline sets of like 10 songs, like yeah. really short, and I would like never drink before. Uh-huh. I would go to bed like I was way more um like careful. Yeah. And I still had vocal problems. And now it's like, I feel almost like, God, I got to knock on wood somewhere, but almost like invincible at times. Dude, absolutely. So it's interesting that with you, maybe the opposite. Yeah. Like, you're starting to get more worn out as you get older. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I didn't
2: expect it. I definitely didn't stop drinking in order for that to happen. It was just a very, um, very fortuitous side effect, you know? And once I realized that, and, you know, I was talking to some friends and, You know, just saying that, yeah, I I feel better on stage. I feel my voice is is better and clearer and stronger. And, you know, I had a friend be like, yeah, man, it sounds like... Way better. He's like, no offense, but that last time I saw you, he's like, it he, he was it was bad. And Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, why didn't you tell me that? Why it's didn't like anybody say in Germany? Me up? <laughs> that does
0: sound like some- uh, your last show, not so good. Why? Yeah, that's usually it. the other way around though. Last show, much better. All right, much better. <laughs> right. The one uh, uh,
2: I had an interview with somebody from France the other day, and he goes. So this uh, new new record, um, uh, did you take uh, songs you wrote five years ago and put them on? I'm like, what? <laughs> Does it sound like that? And he's like, no, 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 no. You had to clarify, but I, I actually said, I'm like, that sounds like a question from a German, not a, not a Frenchman. Pretty funny, yeah. I, Humorless Germans. Harsh. They can be honest, honest, very, very brutal. Yeah. Which, um, Humorless. Yeah. Well, I
0: don't know. I saw you guys play... At the Danforth with the used like oh yeah I don't know how long ago yeah. that was I thought you said it was it great thanks. thanks fucking great so yeah. no I appreciate you know, it I don't know
2: I, no, I was I was the same way as you I just I I felt invin there was a, a while there where I felt invincible yeah. but every week or two it would just catch up with me and I would be destroyed and then I have th- three or four shows where it was awful uh, and then I'd get back to to where I was but you know.
0: Yeah This happens It happens that's, um, yeah. You gotta learn and when your you, body And when you say like you're, You have trouble with your voice Is it like more screaming Or is it more singing that Screaming you felt
2: like... I felt like singing I could do no matter what Yeah Yeah which is yeah. strange Cause even when I couldn't scream Or couldn't talk I could still hit the singing parts
0: Interesting yeah. It is interesting I've, I've yeah. heard complete opposite from I know people, me too And I don't know what what ways? What, is what? And I don't I've, either. I felt like I've had both happen to me too. Yep. Where I've been like, oh god, my voice, and I like just can't hit a note to save my life. Yeah. And then where it's like I try to scream and like nothing comes out. Yeah. It's strange. There's no rules. There really aren't. It's just you know you're learning as you go. So whatever works. Yeah. And I remember like watching that. Um, well, I saw Melissa Cross. Oh, yeah. for A couple lessons, and I saw you on like the DVD and stuff. Yeah. And did you use any like that that, that technique or anything? No. no I didn't
2: (laughs) Um, I think that more than anything else what Melissa Cross did for me was give me the confidence to be a front man in a band Um, I don't know if anything that she taught me really worked or helped Um, I didn't necessarily follow her instructions as to the warming up techniques because I was a fucking I was a a narcissist I'm like I don't fucking nobody can tell me what to do I'm fucking I'm, I'm in this fucking band I'm fucking doing it I'm fucking 20 years old I'm on top of the world um but yeah, that was her that was the confidence that I had uh because she gave that to me and it was just like um mental mental total mental. And I think yeah. that I think that you know, as long as you believe that you're
0: good, you're good. That's you funny. know, That's funny. I it? like yeah, I never thought about it, but but like I, I saw her for I went to New York, I saw her like for four lessons or whatever yeah. over like two days. And yeah, I don't really don't didn't really learn anything. Like uh-huh. I remember her telling me this really funny thing where she she took a sure Mike, uh-huh. like an SM58 yeah she plugged it into like a little mini Fender guitar amp yeah and she was like doing screaming uh-huh and then but it was like it was basically like I can't I don't know if I can do it properly with the microphone but it was just like if it would be like if someone that doesn't know how to scream like pretends and they just okay. go yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah the whisper <laughs> screams yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: like someone would do if they were in their car maybe right and they, with their family yeah so she was doing that yeah and I was like but that's like not gonna work for me uh-huh. that's like Quiet. Right. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. So she turns the amp on and she takes the mic, literally cups the uh-huh. mic and goes yeah, 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 yeah. like that. And uh,
1: that's it. That's, <laughs> that's what you that do. Trick. I'm pretty
0: sure like, the dude from Lamb of God is not doing right, that. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Uh, so that was funny. But the confidence thing, you're right. I remember she, she's, I go in this New York City apartment and whatever and uh-huh. uh, studio thing. And she's like, I got your record. It's amazing. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, what? I'm amazing!" Right. That was it. That was like the first. It was like a. And if you
2: had like any, if you have any daddy issues, go <laughs> to Melissa Cross because she will be like, "I'm so proud of you." Everything. Right. You do, oh my god! It just like right. warms your heart. And she, you know, there was a lot of techniques that. Um, just sort of the things like to envision when you're singing was a big help. Of, of she had this technique called over the, uh, uh, over the pencil. Yeah, where, I remember uh, that. Yeah, where yeah. you'd put this pencil in your mouth, you know, bite on it, and then try to sing and, and envision the words going over the pencil instead of under it or through it. And then you take the pencil away and you still kind of sing like that. And it, you know, it becomes, it it carves a path in your brain. And you go, okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. think of this every time I do it. And I do. That I absolutely still do. But okay. that's not a warm-up technique. That's just a, a mental thing while you're performing. Yeah. So it's a lot of mental things. And she be, she was more like a, a little, like, guru than she was um, yeah. a vocal instructor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But not, to, I'm not discrediting her. T- oh, t- her no. And I'm t- sure
0: for a lot of guys, it's... Yeah like yeah. a lot of guys swore by like, absolutely. The and she, from yeah, us, she so.
2: knows what she's doing. She she has a science to it. But for me, the stuff I took away was more the mental stuff.
0: Nice. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the early days of you okay. did. Um, we grew up. A lot of people might not know this, but we grew up very close together. Yes, we did. Um, I I'm from Oakville, Ontario. Yeah. Yep. Which I know you probably play the Pine Room. The Pine a Room. Times. And we also played a place called.
2: Pigan? No, I... Well, I don't think every time I did but I went to a show called the, at the piggin Whistle? Does that yeah, sound familiar?
0: Yeah. I, I never... I think they did like a couple shows, I okay. remember, but I never went there. Yeah, uh, But yeah, but I mean, Buffalo... What part of Buffalo are you actually from? Like where you grew uh, I
2: grew up in West Seneca, which is oh, okay. a suburb about 20 minutes away, but then I moved into like By the into Peace this, Bridge, kind of? No, uh, no, it's the opposite, east. Oh, okay. It's kind of okay. east, yeah. Um, but then I grew... I moved to the city when I was like 18, and I kind of hopped around apartments since then. So, okay, right downtown. But anyways
0: we grew up very close together and uh the scene back then in the like late nineties, let's call it, was like pretty fucking rad. Yeah, it was so rad. And it was really cool because we'd have bands from like this foreign country uh-huh. of you know, did you hear they're from like they're from Tanawana, yeah. they're from Lockport, New <laughs> yeah. York. Yeah. And shit. And we'd be like, That's so exotic. Right. And they'd come up and and you know it was, it was really cool that we had this scene and I'm sure for you guys like coming across the border in Canada was probably pretty cool too it was
2: awesome I'll yeah. tell you what else was funny too I remember uh, like talking to Chris Gray from New Day Rising one time when we were little oh, and I he's like Chris yeah we oh, he's great <laughs> And and he's like, yeah, we got this weekend We got a show in London And I'm like, whoa, London, England And I didn't realize yeah, yeah. until later he was talking about London, Ontario <laughs> I didn't know there was a London, Ontario for many years Because
0: there was no internet That's funny, yeah, it's true. that's true <laughs> Yeah, like back in those days, like Uh, First of all, you guys didn't have any fucking visas to cross the border, did you? No, no. You just drove across and said, we're a band, and they said fine? Dude, pre-9-11 was a
2: whole, I mean, it was, there was one time where I remember we, me and my friends drove up, because you can, you have to be 19, that's uh, the drinking age in Canada, so we drove up when we were 19 um, to go drinking, and we were coming back, and our drive, whoever, my friend who was driving reeked of alcohol, and they're like, are you you smell like alcohol, and he goes, oh, "I stepped in some gasoline." And they go, "Okay, <laughs> go ahead." That was the excuse. They just didn't give a shit about anything. Nice. Anything, yeah. But so yeah, nice. we didn't have visas. No, no, no. It's,
0: it's just like wild. Yeah, but we had we had such a like crazy scene, and um, but I, but I really felt like it was a weird. There was this weird push and pull between Toronto and Buffalo. Like it was like the Buffalo bands. We're kinda like looking up to the Toronto bands. Oh, yeah. then the Toronto bands were looking up to the Buffalo bands. Yes. Like I remember the first time like Beared Alive came up and they played in Oakville. So I think this is like their second show maybe. Uh-huh. And they fucking rolled up with like Mesa full stacks yeah. and like and I'd Legit. never seen like a hardcore Scott- band like that before, man. Yeah, they just yep. like blew the fucking roof off. And like after that, you know how many like tough guy, you oh, know, yeah. double time yeah. bands formed? Yeah. And then I'm sure like and I maybe I'm putting words in your mouth but I'm sure like back then when Grade would come over oh, dude. or New Day Rising yeah. yep. those bands would come over they would influence it. Yes. And like the one thing about our bands. I feel like in Canada we had more like singing bands. You
2: did. That was huge for me because I loved that, and that was like a huge part of the, the attraction was that you could sing in a heavy band. I hadn't heard that before.
0: You know. Well, grade was the ultimate.
2: Yeah, they were absolutely. Yeah, I and mean, what we do is like, if grade wasn't a band, we
0: would never. My band would never oh, be a
2: band. Oh, yeah, but if if grade wasn't a band, I wouldn't have kept pursuing more bands like that, and yeah. and gotten deeper into the into the you know the hardcore scene. It was because I was looking for stuff. like like that you know and it's it was it was awesome it it changed the the way that i thought about heavy music
0: absolutely yeah so so when like because i mean i i haven't listened to your first record in a very long time that's okay is there (laughs) Is there even singing on that record? Yeah, I feel like I
2: I nervously stuck a a singing line in one of the songs, one or two of them. Nothing I was doing confidently, but it was just like, "Uh, uh, here we go, let's try this. You know, I mean, I didn't know really what I was doing, and we're writing things in the studio, so. God, I can't remember, but I knew that it was something I wanted to do, and I knew that it was just—it was just more honest for me, and I liked singing. I liked that catch. I liked having something to latch onto. You know, when absolutely. I was listening to, to heavy yeah, music. Absolutely.
0: Well, I remember, like, you know, I was talking to somebody about your band, and I've loved your band for a long time, and, and somebody said, like, well, "I love every time I die," but I just wish Keith didn't change his vocal style on every record. And I'm I was so- like, and I thought about it, and I was like, at first I was like, no, and then I was like, wait. Maybe he's got a point. Yeah? Because, you know, like, it, your voice has definitely evolved. Yeah, yeah well, I'm time. a grown
2: man now. <laughs> I was like yeah. 18 years old when every time when I mean, started. But like when Hot Damn came
0: out, it was yeah. like way, way yeah. different.
2: Yeah, it was, yeah, but I was, I mean, well, I we inarguably tour more than 95% of the band, so I'm using my voice a lot more often than a lot of other people, I'm sure, and I'm... You know, it's probably beaten to shit, you know, so it's going to change. It's not going to, sure. you know, it's going to come down in tone and pitch. And, yeah, and but I'm it's, just growing I think
0: up. I don't, I don't even know if he, he meant it was getting worse. I it, just think he didn't like the change. Yeah, well, you know, and that's people that's that don't the,
2: like change can fucking, you know, I mean, just sit in their house and complain about the kids these days until right. they fucking have a heart attack. You know, like, if you don't evolve, what is the point of being alive? I mean, I, I, I can't understand why people are so against change. Like, everything, we don't like it. It's not up to us. Everything evolves. Language evolves. Fucking music evolves. D- films evolve. Every form of art evolves. That's just what being on this planet is about. I mean, I I, I, yeah. humans evolve. That's what happens. If you don't evolve with your art or your music, I'm not to, sure. s- not to say that this is an art, but if you don't change what you're doing to suit the, uh, the, the conditions around you, you're not doing anyone a service.
0: No, absolutely. I
2: don't know. Absolutely. That makes me mad. You just got me all pissed off. Yeah, it's good. No, I like <laughs> I like
0: angry angry Keith is good. Um, now to make you less angry, okay. we're, we're going to talk about your your new fatherhood. Okay. Uh, and I understand there was a lot of complications. Very complicated. You had to leave. Yeah. Jason came. Yeah. Jason from Let Live, I should say, so pe- people know. Yeah. Came and filled in for you. That must have been probably really really scary. Yeah, it was uh, easy, easily
2: the, the worst experience of my life, but. Um, at the time you know just the yeah. the amount of uncertainty and confusion um that was going on was was really a, a harrowing thing and it just you, i've never felt so powerless in my life i mean and yeah. it's and i mean i'm not talking about like stuck in a traffic jam powerless i'm talking like what am i doing alive what good like what is what am i supposed to be doing now what what happens if the worst comes to fruition and, and i lose my wife and my daughter and, you know i the things that i had to think about and kind of understand that i might have to plan for i i I can't believe that i had to experience i can't believe that i had to watch those movies in my head of okay well if i lose one how do i deal with the other you know right that sort of thing and i mean that was a real that was those are real things that were occurring that night was we might lose both of them and it was it was terrifying
0: now now when when everything was okay you know everything's okay now yeah and the new Keith is, you know, if I can call you the new Keith, it's like you have, you know, you're not drinking now. Do you feel a lot different in your life? Like, do you, Did was it a big feeling like you're like, oh shit, like this could have happened and it didn't. Yeah. So now like, is there something that you learn from? Oh yeah. I mean, because I because a lot of people try and they don't and right. they fall into their own ways, but it seems like you've legitimately,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I kind of uh, adapted to, um, out of necessity. Uh, you know, th- when she came into the world, I was, um, uh, I mean, it was the, coincidentally I'm and simultaneously the best and worst moment of my life. I mean, it was this idea that I have a new daughter, um, but she also might not survive, and my oh, yeah. wife might not survive, and you know, the the idea that I'm I, I'm holding this baby and well not even holding a baby, I, I can only put my hands on her. And you know, as a father you wanna be able to, to know that you can promise your child that everything will be okay, and I couldn't do that mm-hmm. because she had already suffered so much that, you know, to start the world in so much pain is, is a terrible thing, and you just kind of hope that they don't remember that and it doesn't stick with them. But, um, yeah, it definitely changed me, and it changed the, the way that I prioritize things that happen to me, and it changed the way that I deal with the unexpected and that it's just, there's no way I could have planned for that, you know? There's no way I could have ever had a... Um, had a, a sort of emergency kit there ready to put into place if all of this happens. It was just, it did. And you just got to, you got to have faith in something, you know. It definitely um, kind yeah. of fortified my belief that um, you can do things with your mind. <laughs> you can think positively and affect change. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean I, I won't go into, I won't go too far into it, but I do feel like there, there is a very powerful thing in, Faith and love, and it doesn't have to be in a god or anything like that. But it just has to be in the the, the idea that the universe is kind of on your side. You yeah. Know?
0: Well, the thing is, like, I'm not religious at all, and I don't. I don't know if you are. I, but, but whatever. Like, the one thing that always struck me about it is like, there's certain medical things. Like, for example, people are like, oh, this can be caused by stress.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: like, well, what is stress? Yeah. Stress isn't something like stress isn't a virus or no. a bacteria. Stress is just. A thing that you feel right so how can anything really be caused by stress if it's just something that's in your like a thought in your head right obviously there's some sort of physical physiological physiological thing that happens because of it yeah but if stress can do that Uh then could there be like the opposite of stress maybe that's love or maybe that's you know whatever that is yep so like I'm not ruling anything out, yeah. but but it's a it's a thing where you, where people are like say oh it's a coincidence or it's like bullshit. That's but so easy, not necessarily. Yeah, that's
2: so easy to say that that oh it doesn't mean anything and, and every and and sort of the universe kind of resolves itself in utter chaos. And I I honestly believe the opposite. I think that the everything moves towards order and intelligence. And I mean, on the, on mm-hmm. the on the basis on, on the most base scale, look at a, look at a child being born, for nine months these cells are going in an order that nobody's could, what, What's doing that, what's putting them there what's putting these cells in this order there's, the, I, there's some sort of unifying intelligent principle that's assembling these cells into a human being, you know, I didn't do that her mother didn't do that, the doctors didn't do that, the baby didn't do that it was done, you mm-hmm. know It was just done So, I mean, our lives begin with something like that That's why when I say the most base scale I'm I'm talking about, like, the very beginning The only reason we're able to think about how things get done Is because the things did them themselves, you know First, and that was it And yeah. now here we are Now well. here we are, ruling it out And being stubborn about the way we think about energy <laughs> And consciousness Right, and, I, I know I And know. I, I feel like, um You know, I I think that once consciousness becomes a quantifiable field where we can measure it and we can measure the amount of thought and energy that we put into certain things in our lives and see how they affect each other, I think that we're going to really be missing a lot that science isn't going to answer. And I don't think it'll ever be answered until we start correlating consciousness into the equation. I I mean, I'm kind of on a kick now because I just read this book called The Secret Life of Plants. But it talks about uh-huh. the intelligence of plants and how they communicate with each other and I was how they just
0: fucking talking to somebody about that yesterday.
2: It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how they do this and how the, their roots, um, you know, will 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 grow into the soil until they find a, a they tap a, a mineral they need and then the, the end nerves of the root will die and the new ones will grow that are capable of moving that mineral up to the the leaves. I mean, it's just it takes care of itself and it has for no, millions I of just years. Had this conversation
0: they were and he was talking about this other guy who was kind of a weird dude but uh, nice. Yeah. Telling me how they, some plants will put like a certain acid in them so that other plants can't grow, like as oh, a protection, yeah. like all this stuff that like I'm like I never heard of that before. Yeah,
2: acacia trees when uh, they're uh, when there's predation in the area and, and they're being fed on or ruined or chopped down, they'll they don't know nobody knows what it is, but all the other acacia trees downwind start closing up. Like, they're, they're closing up shops yeah. so that, like, no predators will want to eat them or, or see them as attractive yeah, and cut them down or anything. And they, they communicate with each other. And, no. you know, I mean, it's just now you look at the course of human history just a few hundred years ago. Americans didn't think black people had a consciousness. We treated them like animals. And now we're, okay, that was so obs- How did we ever let that happen? How did we ever convince ourselves that, that another form of human being couldn't have the same soul that we do based on the color of their skin? Okay, so we're hoping to move past that. Uh, unfortunately, Trump is sort of putting that back into play. But now oh, we're like, okay, people are, uh, and I'm talking about it on the historical cosmic scale, um, just the, a, a blink of an eye later now we're like well maybe animals actually have a soul too and we're starting to respect animals as living things right. so we're not eating them as much and we're not making things out of them as much it, the next step is plants then we're going to be like holy shit this fucking tree has a life and it communicates with other trees <laughs> how have we just been
0: chopping them down and right. you know what I mean I it's, mean it's not it's hard that to crazy no. to like to think but yeah man like you even think back to I don't know 50 years which yeah. is 50 years is nothing yeah. in terms of like the age of even how long people have been around right yeah. how much things have changed it's, it's wild yeah. and people I hear people think like walk around especially younger kids and stuff they just kind of feel like oh well we, ever, we already know everything. Right. There's no fucking there way we know no,
2: everything. We, we know less than we ever have because there's in more the 19... problems being uh, uh, approached. In there...
0: the 1950s, they thought that. Right. There was a car driving down the street. Yeah. They're like, you see that shit? Yeah, we it's got it. Gonna it's never going to get better How than is that. it going
2: to change? How, yeah, how is it going to get better than a car? Yeah, well, I don't know. We're in space now. Like the first
0: know? airplane that ever took yeah. off, people were like, well, that's it.
2: That's got to be it. There's no, we have not even begun to scratch the surface of what we're capable of no. and I, I really feel... Like I said, science is great, and I totally, uh, you know, I back it, and obviously I believe in proof and evidence, but I think there is something underlying all of science that people like... Neil deGrasse Tyson have shut themselves off of and I think it's unfortunate because there's a lot of things that can't be explained with, our, with the tools that our feeble minds have created yeah. even the smartest guys are still only using less than 10% of their brain you know what I sure. mean so th- to think that there's 100% of a brain waiting to be tapped somewhere I mean who knows what's going to happen then I don't know if you've seen Lucy have you ever seen that movie that lady could use like 100% of her brain and she was no, like,
0: it reminds me of that movie with Bradley Cooper, the kind of uh, funny one. Um, fuck, um, oh god, and the name escapes me. Wedding Crashers. He takes like the drug, and then he. Oh, I know what you're talking uh, about. Yeah, yeah, I know. What it's you're kind of a, a bad pill. movie, yeah. but it's like sort of entertaining, right? Um, yeah, I can't remember the name. Yeah, I'm I know you sure People you're are about. screaming at their radio yeah. right now. and name <laughs> it, um, but they, yeah, that, that's what it reminds me of. And and I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting, you know. Why? Um, yeah. Why cut yourself
2: off? There's so much. <laughs> we don't even know. I mean, we can't even cure you know a cold and we think we know everything there's so much basic stuff that we haven't figured out yet we don't know why we're here we don't know how this all started we don't know we don't know the first step we took how can we really think that we are even beginning to understand where we're ending up
0: yeah well um fatherhood is is here and uh, (laughs) fatherhood is here here and you're thinking about the the world I know you just said a few minutes ago that every time I die tours 95 more than 95% of yeah. other bands. Is that going to change now? Are you going to dial um, back a little bit? I think bit? we're going to start... I don't, no, I
2: don't necessarily know that we're going to dial back. I think the, the, the reason that Every Time I Die is still a functioning band is because we worked harder and not smarter. And I think that it was almost an intentional... Uh, Move to work really stupid. We would do stupid things that no other band would do because they were just stupid. We would drive to California from Buffalo to play one show. You know, nobody else was making that level of sacrifice because it's not a smart... You don't think it's a smart move. Um, And you don't see the immediate payoff in doing stupid things. But... In the long run, maybe that is a test to why we're still here because we were doing stupid things. But I do think now we have to start touring a little smarter, just because mm-hmm. we have kids involved. Jordan is a father too, and yep. I am, and you know, so maybe now we, we. Die, we don't tour as long, but we do. I actually, we're kind of talking about it right now, planning a tour where we stay in the same city for three days and then yeah. have a day off and then go to the next city and do the, you know, three days there. And it's just a different approach.
0: No, totally, totally thought about doing that too. And, and like now that you have so much material, yeah. you know, if you can extend it and do, you know, different Absolutely. albums or whatever, uh, and, you know, you guys have such a hardcore, like, rabid fan base that it, It makes sense for you guys to do that. The the old models don't necessarily apply, but you learn that
2: when you evolve as a band and you change your style or something.
0: Well, one thing, too, that that happened with with you guys, and and one of my favorite parts about your band is that you don't take yourselves too seriously. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And I don't know if you know what you're going to say when you get up there. Oh, my God, no. I wish I did. (laughs) I wish I did because I
2: accidentally called masked intruders masked avengers the other day it, <laughs> I love that so, band. yeah they're awesome I and i know them, the yeah. answer but what i want to say doesn't always come out i've never out seen out.
0: them play before yeah i just really like their one of their records and uh i like really wanted to see them today but i think they're i think they're they, all, they like, played yeah I think, I think you just finished um i'm gonna be pomona so i'll see them then but yeah. um yeah like the, the whole humor aspect it's like the time that you came up in the scene you came up in with like, and this is going to be a blast from the past, but like you remember, like Fashion Core, hell and like yeah, I shit do, like that, yep, eighteen Vision, yep. yep. throw down, like, there was no element of humor at all no. in those bands. Like, like you're going to Hellfest, like yeah. yeah. I watched the Hellfest DVDs, yeah. it's very serious. They're like straight edge, yeah. vegan, yeah, like this is how you like should live. Yeah, we're you know, there's yep. nothing funny about those bands. No, obviously, at some point, you just were like. This is my personality. Yeah. I'm going to let it shine through. Yeah. Like, tell me tell me how that happened. Yeah, it, that
2: wasn't even really a, um, uh, a a conscious decision. I think it was just more of like, a, I am so out of place here because I, I'm not a tough guy. I was a skinny mm-hmm. little kid. You know, we're kind of... Um, the opposite of of what these bands are, are going for and the, and the fashionable aspect, were a bunch of shitty dudes that fucking you know. At that point in our lives, we were bowling a lot. You know, we were just <laughs> eating terrible food and we didn't really know what kind of music we liked because we were just kind of maturing. And, and you're from Buffalo, we're from Buffalo, yeah. But I mean, Buffalo is you know, I, I, it's it's pretty much every day is like a Bruce Springsteen song. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. it was a, it was a it was a town developed by blue collar workers that love to drink alcohol and that was what our families did you know so I think that more um, more so our humor was for me like really a defense mechanism like I I don't know how I'm going to deal with all this horrible truth of the scene I'm in and all these people that are scaring me to death and you just got to make a joke about it you know you just got to you just got to you got to kind of cut yourself down before anybody else gets a chance to Um, so I guess that was it but yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things of like if I really let in how much uncertainty there is, and I, f- I really face that fact, it's going to be too overwhelming to even sort of cope with. So I just kind of we just kind of took it show by show, and if mm-hmm. we, you know we were nervous, then jokes would come out.
1: But,
0: right? Yeah. yeah. But you don't you don't have any like shtick plan. No, right? God, like, never. No. You're no. you're like yeah. So it's I guess it's interesting because somebody could go see you and be like ah. Oh, Keith wasn't really funny today. Yeah, yeah. Like, was, does anyone ever say that to you? Like, no, oh, but I, you know? I, I come like, down on
2: myself really hard if I if I get through a set and I realize that no, I didn't like even make anybody laugh because I do like the sound of people laughing at something yeah, I say. Obviously, it's yeah. just a good feeling to say something funny. But um, yeah, if, if, if I'll get through it, I'll be like, Jesus Christ, is I too serious? And I'm sitting here kicking myself now, thinking like this interview's been really serious and we haven't really horsed well, around too much not, but no not too much yeah
0: but, uh no i mean we still got a little more time if but maybe you it's because i'm not nervous maybe right yeah uh, yeah I don't, it's, I don't know it is it is funny though. defense mechanism all that stuff is interesting and also like also going back to going back to that time like the fashion core thing like and you know we're on warp tour so obviously we're reminded of this stuff but like when you guys first did warp tour what year was it boy
2: 2006 oh so it was a little bit later yeah but that was like the first official warp tour i think that we were like advertised on i i want to say we did one before that i'm so bad with dates but we did one where it was very like diy punk thing we just showed up and played on the stage that they were just building for fun um but i think 2006 was our first yeah like
0: growing up did you go to warp tour
2: yeah, I did. I went to about three or four growing up.
0: Yeah, because, like, you know, it's it's more of a. Back then in the late 90s and stuff, like, the first one actually for me was 1997, mm-hmm. and I've gone every year either playing, so this is number 20. That's for awesome. Me. I think it's awesome. That really is awesome. It's <laughs> kind of intense. Yeah. yeah. So my 20th year uh, going to Warp Tour. But back in those days, like, it was not. There was no metal no hardcore bands at all. Like there was nothing like that. Right. And I felt like you guys were kinda one of the first bands that really sort of was like, Hey, like we're gonna do this mm-hmm. and we don't care, like for Mountain Ashes was another one. They're yeah. like, We're gonna do this and we're gonna be that odd band out. Yeah. With all these other like just, you know, skate punk bands and reggae bands or yeah. whatever. So, um when you guys went into it the first time or the first time you played, did you feel like the odd band out and now mm-hmm. seeing how much it's changed? Uh, Like How do you feel now about it? uh, I definitely noticed that
2: at first And I didn't understand the scope of it Until I was able to look at it in retrospect But that's just the genius of Kevin Lyman Of of assessing a a situation And um, sort of predicting the inevitable And then standing in front of it Kevin Lyman knew that heavy music was on its way in you know what I mean and if he was using us as a representative for some reason to sort of start that wave with other bands and we're you know we were on that like that front line of heavy bands coming in that's awesome and that's a huge honor um but I think he just saw it approaching and knew that he needed to get in front of it so you know we did that and we were the amen out but then yeah more and more started coming now the monster stages are just devoted to heavy bands you know and it's great um, I think people will look at the Warped Tour and be like, oh, "I don't want to fucking see any of those bands on the tour." That's not—it's not for you. The people that are saying right. that are like thirty years old warp Tour is not for you That's like going over to somebody else's house on Christmas morning And opening one of their presents and going This isn't what I wanted Like no shit, it's not what you wanted It's not your gift This is for kids that are trying to get into new music Well that's why they have that Not Dead Yet
1: Fest or whatever Yes like, Which
2: is like
0: yes. probably more my Absolutely,
2: mine yeah. too But, I, but I, I, I'm but honored to to the fact that we're still considered to be on warp Tour And we're still
0: pulling our weight I mean that's a huge accomplishment I think Absolutely man Absolutely, it is. It Thanks. is, and like what you guys have done, in the longevity is like, you know, bands need to take notice of that. And whatever you guys are doing, you're, you know, it's, it's been. I think the special run. I think our willingness to be stupid is, is there. You dumb, go. That's, that's it.
2: Yeah, that's the secret. There was be, a, be
0: stupid. Do stupid things. There was.
2: A, um, I was reading this book about code breaking, and it was all about people like encrypting, um, all these codes and how to crack safes and stuff, and all you know how to get into people's emails. No, it wasn't like a tip Like how to break it. <laughs> it was just how people had done it through history. And the one thing that the author says is that ye, um, being stupid is the, is the first thing that you have to do because only stupid people are as excited about their 100th attempt as they were about their first. Like, only right. stupid people can keep failing and go, I'm going to do that one more time. You know, smart yeah. people go, that didn't work, I'm done. But stupid people go, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going right. to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. And then they find something, and it's the, the stupid people that, that, you know, happen upon yeah. it.
0: Yeah, that's super, super interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I said earlier, like I got your book. Thank you. I'm about a hundred pages in out of three hundred or whatever I got on my phone, so I don't, okay. know, I don't know how many pages it really uh, is. Two forty three. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. L- I'm like a third of the way in. Okay. Um, what? Like, I, I guess you. I know you have a background in in like English and 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 stuff like that, and I'm, you're a great writer. At Thank least you. Musically, what made you decide to write a book? How long did it take you? And are you going to write more? Um, it took me about four years from when I sat down
2: and started writing, um, things that would eventually become part of the book. I didn't sit down with the intention of writing a book at all. I was just sitting down and writing stories and kind of keeping a tour journal. But then I had this one sort of eureka moment of, uh, there was a, a, a pattern in, in the, the stories that I was writing and I didn't realize it. And there was like a theme and I was like, Oh, this could be a good theme. Um, which was just basically just an existential crisis. I mean, that's really, this is, Uh, unabashedly uh, a typical hero tale of it's um you know every hero story has the same like elements it's departure fulfillment and return that's what everybody that Mm -hmm. writes a hero tale does it's what every like main character in a movie or story does they leave find something and come home um so I think that really my take on that was um, to not have the fulfillment part in there. It was just the constant departure and return, and I think that that was really the moment of like, oh, wait a minute, this, is, this could be a book. It could be a book about someone that's never fulfilled. Um, so then that was about two years of, once I kind of realized that, then it was another two years of actually writing a book um, and a year of editing. So um, And yes, I would love to do it again. Yeah, well, I, th- I mean, I think you should. Thank um,
0: you. How much of the book is autobiographical?
2: A lot yourself? of it. A lot of it. It's a lot of um, composite stuff that where I, I had to like put a bunch of people together, uh, you know. And that was kind of one of the best things about writing it was that I I had to make people up and I could base them on real people. And then I started realizing that like, oh my god, wait, my friend in California that I was going to use in this part is exactly like this guy I knew from <laughs> Minneapolis. And I'm just going to combine yeah. those features. And I was like, holy shit, I'm living in a fucking a circle like every I'm meeting the same people and they're coming back yeah. as different people and you know that's a that's a big thing to to the character Ray is that these things happen in different forms no
0: I, and I like I loved what I've read so far and like the, the when you describe uh, Chet the sound guy yeah that's like kind of my favorite because it's yeah. literally like every sound guy it's a sound like guy that.
2: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, if you know a sound guy you know them all and, they're and all was, crazy it,
0: yeah that that was really really like that was kind of my, fav- my favorite part cool um I guess you can pick and choose to like what what you're admitting to uh-huh. by using like oh well maybe the story that happens to Raymond yeah. in the book maybe I did that right maybe my friend did that right. maybe it's completely fabricated yeah but then there's always like this like I'm reading it and I'm still picturing you uh-huh oh I'm sure in my head yeah. and I'm picturing like because especially when you bring up like Virginia Tech yeah where you actually went to right. school right it's like well. You could have just used a different school. Of course, of course. You know, but you chose to sort of reflect yourself in it, too.
2: Uh, also, because it was, at the time, um, when that happened, uh, you know, when the shooting happened at Virginia Tech, it was, you know, obviously very unfortunate, but it was the beginning of, of, there were there were a few major events in my life that really changed the way I thought about the world, and the, when I found out about the shooting at Virginia Tech, that was that was one of the major, like puberty moments of I'm, I'm changing my, the, my thoughts are changing about the, the world around me all of a sudden uh, I'll, I'll try not to go totally off course get it, though. There's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a very specific point in someone's life when they feel that the world is working for them and the world is working against them and that's when adulthood happens it's when you go from this is my world everything is here to accommodate me to holy shit everything is out to get me you know and that's that's the shift from childhood to adulthood that finding out about the shooting at virginia tech was my moment of i am now an adult i fear everything yeah. um I, I i don't trust anybody um and that's a that's an unf- that's that's like the death of a, of your child and that's a you know i mean that your inner child which is a very tragic moment in people's lives um no oh, i understand because it's
0: something familiar to right you. you've right. been there where that she right place?
2: I, I i mean it was it was the buildings that i had classes in um it was a very sad, sad time for me. Um, so that, I needed that to be in Ray's story, too, because it, Virginia Tech changed right. the way that his world operated, right. because his teacher did that to him. Yes. You know what I mean? So I, I took all the anger from the Virginia Tech shooting and put it into Ray's anger dealing with the Virginia Tech teacher. Yes. So that's what it was. Totally. You know? So I needed it to be that. Totally. Totally. It's also like when he finds out about fingering right another moment but yeah he <laughs> yes, has a lot of those moments that's, yeah. yeah that's
0: another another moment which yeah. <laughs> um, which was that was a sexual awakening very yeah. very well I love the way you Thanks. read that that Thanks.
2: was that was fucking classic thank you
0: so yeah everybody if you haven't checked out Keith's book scale go get it I just went on my phone literally was like I think I can buy a book on here and I found an app called uh iBooks and yeah. it boom there boom. you go there it is I had it In a matter of minutes, so yeah check it out. Um, I won't take up too much more of your time. Sorry, I know it's getting hot back here, but I had to turn the fan off, so it wasn't too loud. No, it's okay. Okay. I'm I'm all right. Okay. Um, But we got to talk about the new record that's coming out in September. Yes. Uh, What's it called? Low Teens. Low teens? Is yeah. that like a, a thirteen, fourteen, fifteen? Yeah, those are the lowest. What's that? Um, what's that title? Um, it it actually came or mean. It,
2: it came about because um, we were recording it in Buffalo in the winter. Uh, it was freezing, and the weatherman oh, yeah. said low, the, the temperature was in the low teens. And we we're like, oh, that's a cool name. That's a cool phrase. Yeah. And then, as phrases tend to do, they take on a meaning of their own. And then we're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, it could maybe also mean like this is this sounds like. Um, there 's a lot of songs on it that like are are almost alternative sounding uh, like the stuff that we 're kind of adapting that we listened to when we were growing up and Once you hear the record, I think you 'll know what songs i 'm talking about that sound almost alternative you know music behind it um interesting yeah it was it was the stuff that we listened to when we were depressed teenagers, which I think most of us were yeah. if we 're still here today, chances
0: are we were depressed teenagers so um so is the music like musically is the record a big departure?
2: Um no, not not necessarily. I think it's a um it's a step, you know. Um but I don't think it's necessarily towards or away from anything. It's just the next part of it. Um but I did realize that after we had tracked a song called Two Summers, um it was the first every time that I song without screaming in it. So Oh yeah. There's there's that on the record. There's a song without screaming is in it. Is
0: it a like is it still you it's, say you didn't realize is it a slow jam or is it like still kind of a rocker it's, it's a just, rocker just yeah. doesn't have it's a rocker it just, just doesn't have
2: screaming in <laughs> and I didn't intend for that and that's how I know that I like you know when that was brought up I was like oh shit should I go back and change it and I was like no if I change it then that's phony I, it, I yeah. I, it was an organic writing process where I didn't feel the need no. to scream it didn't it's call it it's not like the it.
0: label came to you right. and was like we need a song without screaming so we can get it on the radio yeah Yeah. No. But people will think that's what it is I'm sh- you know, I I don't know if it's th- a single or not but yeah, No it's not
2: will, yeah, People okay. will think that You know I didn't even think about that Because this goes back to what I was saying in the beginning If you start thinking about the way that strangers might think about the stuff you do It's going to make you dishonest <laughs> And it's going to make you not enjoy your, you know, your art So yeah you're probably right People will think that But if I had had that realization before I don't know I might have changed something but as it stands There's no screaming in it And it wasn't to get it on the radio It was just the way it happened Great
0: So but the record comes out What is it? September 20, September you know 23rd,
2: 23rd yep. Pre-orders out Pre-orders out And if you come to a Warp Tour um, And buy uh, anything of Like a t-shirt You get a little card That you fill out And then we'll email you the record for free when it okay. comes out it's sort of like I a don't know this,
0: I think I'm going to put this out on Monday I don't know if Work okay. will still exist or if it'll be over it'll but be
2: just about over, over. So but we'll have the, the cards on the days. way back
0: yeah cool Yeah. awesome well mm. hey Keith Um. This anything else great. to add anything else no I it's feel really like I talked too you, much thank
2: you I feel no, like I, no, I talked too much the,
0: perp- the perfect amount
2: <laughs> okay good I read something the other day Online and I tend not to, to read comments online, but when people like tag me in a in a photo of like the book that when they buy scale, I'll typically be like oh thanks for picking
0: it up you sure. know yeah
2: somebody tagged me in it so it caught my attention and I guess maybe I was just having a bad day and the, I was just talking shit about it and it's like I don't I, I got this but I'm only like three pages in and I, I just think it's gonna he's he's too pretentious and it's gonna ruin it for me and it's like man the the I just I really. Get bothered when I uh, when people think that it's a it's a pretension thing that writing a book is an act of being pretentious because it's really not. It was just I was doing it just because I you know. It's because he probably because he had to look up every other word in a dictionary. Yeah, it but I, it's not a bad thing. It's, I it's not a
0: bad thing. Yeah. My I, my mom very early on in my age, I'd say to my I'd say to my mom, "What's this word mean?" And instead of her just saying to me. Oh well, it means this. Mm-hmm. I think it means this. She goes, "Let's go get the dictionary." Good, it's a lesson. We always yeah. would get the dictionary, right. and still to this day, yeah. if I see a word I don't know. Yeah. I I get my dictionary. And why are out? people
2: so coming and down so hard on that? Like, oh, I should have brought a dictionary. Like, maybe, yeah, I guess if you don't know, then look up a new word. It's but fun. I, but I do
0: I, I do think it's funny that you're talking about this because in the book you talk about yes fans <laughs> reviewing. Yes. where you're like whatever is happening. You're at some party yeah. or something, and yeah. you want to uh, you, you want to see what do the real people think, yeah. not the critics. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. now it's funny. You're like anyone with a fucking phone yeah. can 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 you ruin know, cut your to the day core of you. yeah ruin your fucking day and So it, it still bothers you even after all these
2: years it does and i, I you know i, I it, everyone wants to be like no that shit don't bother me but yes it does bother me because you have to i, I sort of look at like um criticisms and things like that though I try not to take in too much of it I do need to understand like where I am positioned and maybe you know the critics have something to say that's correct and then I can learn from it and change you know maybe I wasn't doing something that I should have been doing you know it's just there's so much to learn about yourself so I I think that one of the hardest things to learn about writing a book is that people are just going to assume that just because you did it it means that you think that you're like this fucking philosopher and I don't think that at all I just wanted to write a book because it was in my head and it was fun for me to do you know so it doesn't put me on a new level of of anything. It's just I'm gonna in a band that wrote a book.
0: I don't know. Okay. People probably say the, thing, it's the same thing about me starting a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just but you can't listen just, to it's it. It's interesting yeah. to me. Yeah, meeting new people. It's right. fun. Like there's no. Right. I don't think I'm cooler than anybody. Right, but it's people just, think you know, people
2: think you're cool. People think you think you're cooler, and then it gets into this whole chess game of like, what are people thinking? What am I doing? How can I alter their thoughts? What can I do to make it seem like I'm not what they think I am? And it's just, man, perception is perception is everything. There unfortunately, yeah. yeah.
0: And if you are uh, read a review on iTunes for the podcast, if you like it, by the way, yes, please do because I had a great time <laughs> with this. This is awesome. Well, dude, thank you. Yeah, thank absolutely. you very much. And. Um, yeah, enjoy the last few days of the warp tour. You Thanks, got through man. another one. I did it. And no drinking. No so, drinking. Congratulations.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank I appreciate you, man. it Thanks absolutely.
0: So there it is, my conversation with Keith. It was great speaking to him. Just such an intellectual dude and just so much you can take away from having an hour conversation with him. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We didn't really know each other before, despite growing up kind of in the same scene between Buffalo, Toronto, us being in the same circles. I never really met Keith before. And it's really great that that this podcast, you know, I meet new people, too. So now, you know, I'm proud to say me and Keith are friends now. And that's really one of the most awesome things that I get out personally of doing this podcast. If you like the show please do me a favor, go on iTunes, write a review, preferably five stars, say some nice things. And if you don't want to do that, just tell a friend, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your sister, tell your brother, anybody that likes music. I don't think it even matters if you necessarily know who the band is. If you're interested in music, how the music industry works, how singers sing, tell a friend, they could be really into it. And that's what helps this show grow and helps this thing get bigger and bigger. And I'm having so much fun. Next week, we'll be back with Kind of an amazing episode So make sure you're subscribed Next week is a big one Uh, I'm really really jazzed about it And as always I will leave you With some music I'm gonna go with A song from Hot Damn Which to me When Hot Damn came out That Every Time I Die album It really kind of cemented them As The heavy band in the scene So here's the song That when I first heard it I was like Oh shit Every Time I Die Is fucking here This song's called Ebola Rama Here it is I'm Lee Singer. Syndrome. Peace and love.